little smirk on my face. And she'd be like, see, you did it. You can't keep a straight face. You're guilty of doing this. My sister learned to take advantage of this because what she would do is, you know, my bedroom and her bedroom were both downstairs and my parents' bedroom was upstairs and that's where the kitchen and living room, it was upstairs as well. So my sister would be downstairs in her bedroom, I'd be downstairs in my bedroom and she would yell out, Mom, Gilbert's hitting me. I wasn't even in the same room with her, but she, Mom, Gilbert's hitting me. Mom would be like, Gilbert, cut it out. A little bit later, Mom, he's hitting me again. Gilbert, get up here right now. I go upstairs. Did you hit your sister? No. <laughs> and I'd have this guilty look on my face. And I'd get in trouble for it. And this went on for years, even though I kept denying it. No, I'm not doing anything wrong. I just kept getting in trouble, getting in trouble, getting in trouble, until the day my sister thought that I was downstairs. But in reality, I was standing right next to my mom upstairs. She yells, Mom, he's hitting me. I was like, see, told you so. (laughs) My sister was busted. (laughs) And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, her getting busted doing that to me isn't really a, a big deal. In fact, I've gotten busted doing things in my life that were much greater than that, many things that I'm not happy to uh, to share. And I'm sure you're probably the same way. You, you've had things in your life that you've gotten caught in a sin, you've gotten caught in a crime, something that you shouldn't have been doing, and in that moment, you feel so embarrassed. Just like, oh man, I really, really messed up here. Things are not going to be the same. Things are going to be just so different. I'm I'm ashamed of what I've done. Today, as we continue our series called I Deserve It, I want to take a look at a story of a woman in the Bible who got totally busted by Jesus. She deserved condemnation, but instead Jesus gives her love and grace. And it's in her story that I'm hoping that we find the same type of thing for our story. Because see, there's many of us that are sitting here today or listening via to the podcast that you've done something in the past that you just can't let go of. You still feel all this guilt, all this shame, all this condemnation. But Jesus gives her love and grace and mercy, and he wants to give the exact same thing to you here this morning. So if you got a Bible, you want to turn to John chapter 8. Again, John chapter 8, that's where we're going to hang out today. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. All the scriptures we're going to look at are there in your program that you received when you came in. They're also going to be on the screen behind me. If you've got a smartphone, you want to download the Version app, you can look up all the scriptures there. Or if you need a Bible, please ask us for one as soon as the experience is over. Go out to the welcome desk. We give away Bibles for absolutely free. But this story we find in John chapter 8, again, verses 1 through 3 is where we'll start out. We read this, Jesus walked out to the Mount of Olives. Then early the next morning, he went to the temple. The people came to him, and he sat down, and he started teaching them. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law of Moses brought in a woman who had been caught in bed with a man who wasn't her husband. They made her stand in the middle of the crowd. Now, I want you to picture this for a second in your mind. Here's Jesus. He's gone to the temple area. He's outside. He's teaching a crowd of people from God's word. And all of a sudden, in come the Pharisees. Now, my first pastor taught me the easy way to remember the Pharisees is they were very fair, you see. 
And not like complexion-wise. No, they thought that they were better than everybody else. These were the so-called religious leaders of the day, but yet they were looking down their noses at every single person that you're not holy, you're not as good as what we are. They thought that they were all that in a bag of chips. And these guys, they come in, they got all these flowing robes on, they've got these headpieces, they got tassels, and they're just looking down at everybody. You're not like us. We're better than what you are. And what they've done in this particular story is they found a woman. She had just been caught in adultery, and they drag her in to this scene. Now, more than likely, they didn't say, well, you know, stop, get some clothes on and stuff. So either they brought her out naked or she grabbed the sheet, so she's got that wrapped around herself. Imagine how humiliated she is to be standing there before all of her community. She's been caught, humiliated, full of shame. She doesn't think life is ever going to be the same again. And, you know, that's not hard for us to imagine all these things that she's thinking because we do the same thing so often. These voices of condemnation come running through our, our head that my life is ruined. Nobody's ever going to be able to love me again. How can you call yourself a Christian and do something like that? You're pathetic. You're a loser. Again, all of us know these voices these voices that we hear that are condemning us about the wrongs that we've done. You know, for me, and I've shared this in the past, it was years of pornography. That I remember as a young kid, I first saw pornography, and there was such a rush seeing that. But then there was also this feeling of guilt and shame, and I felt so dirty, and I vowed to God, I was like, God, I never want to do that again, only the next day to be looking at Miss November. And all of a sudden, the, the feelings all come back. And so it's, you know, trading in moments, literally moments of this rush and pleasure in exchange for days and weeks and months of guilt and shame and just feeling absolutely disgusted with myself. And some of you know what I'm talking about. It, it may not be pornography or a, a sexual sin of, of some sort, but You've gotten into something. You've done something. And you just so feel so bad about it. Maybe for you it's that you overeat or you overspend. I mean, you know that you shouldn't, but yet you, you do it anyway. You, you're trapped in this, this loop. That's how it was for me with the pornography. God, I'm, I'm never going to do it again. And then the next day, there I am doing it again. I feel so bad. Never going to do it again. And then the next day, do it again. You, you do the same eating or, or spending. You, you know that you shouldn't. But man, as soon as that chocolate cake, man, it hits your lips. It's like such a rush. Or you walk out of the store with that new pair of shoes or that power tool. It's a rush. But then reality hits because you step on the scale or you get the credit card bill. You feel so bad. Again, those voices of condemnation, they just beat you down. They beat you down. You feel so horrible. For some of you, it's alcohol or cigarettes or your temper. You vow that today is going to be different. Not going to be the same way I was yesterday. But then today isn't any different. And you overdrank. Or even though you said you're never going to smoke again, you did it. Or you lost your temper. Now you're ashamed about the decisions you made. Here's what's really heartbreaking. Some of you that are here today have been abused at some point in life. 
maybe physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually, some sort of abuse, and you somehow have allowed Satan to convince you that it was your fault, that you brought it on yourself, that you deserved it. And so you hear, again, the voices, even though you didn't do anything wrong, you hear the voices saying how bad you are, how disgusting you are, that you should be ashamed of yourself. All of us, I think, know what this woman caught in adultery felt like. Just the voices. You know, if it was today, I think the, the voices going through her head would be, I've blown it, I've, I've lost my marriage. My kids are never going to respect me again. The people in the community, they're going to call me all kinds of names. You know, they're going to say, that's a husband stealer. If not, you know, worse names than that. But I guarantee you that's not what she was thinking. Because this story didn't take place in 2016. This took place back in a day and time that if you got caught in the act of adultery, the punishment was death. So she was literally thinking, my life is over. Not figuratively speaking, literally, my life is over. I'm about to die right now because of what I've done. So there she is. She's been drug in by these Pharisees. She's humiliated. She's full of shame. And she realizes that she's about to die. Verses 4 and 5. Then they, meaning the Pharisees, said, Teacher, this woman was caught sleeping with a man who isn't her husband. The law of Moses teaches that a woman like this should be stoned to death. What do you say? Now, you know, this little passage has always disturbed me because these Pharisees, they did not care about this woman one iota. They didn't really care that she had gotten caught in adultery. All they want to do is trap Jesus in his words. They want to find something in order to discredit Jesus so that they can get rid of him once and for all. I mean, if they really cared about this woman and what she did, they would have brought the man along as well, right? Because it takes two to tango in an affair. But he's nowhere to be seen. They just use her as a prop, basically, and bring her out. They say, Jesus, what should we do here? What do you say? Because they know that they've got Jesus. If he says to them, yep, go ahead and stone her, Pharisees are going to say what? Here's this guy who's been walking around talking about grace and mercy and stuff, about God's love, forgiveness. <laughs> Look, he just had her stoned to death. And so his reputation would have been shot. If, on the other hand, Jesus says, let her go, Pharisees are going to say, see, here's this guy who's walking around saying that he's God, but yet he isn't even following God's laws. Scripture is very, very clear that if you commit adultery, you're to be stoned to death. And so if he's willing to break this particular law, what other laws is he willing to break? So they think that they have Jesus right where they want him. But look what happens. 
verse 6, it says, they were asking this as an attempt to trap him so that they could bring charges against him. But as always, Jesus was prepared for the situation. It continues on then, it says, but Jesus simply bent over and started writing on the ground with his finger. Now again, I want you to picture the scene in your mind. Jesus is teaching. These Pharisees drag in this woman. She's humiliated. She's hurting. She's barely got clothing on. And the only person that has an opportunity to potentially save her from death, instead of saying something, bends over and starts doodling in the sand. Today it'd be like Jesus like not saying anything, he gets his cell phone out and he starts Snapchatting. He's writing on the ground. Now the question is, what did he write? I've got the answer for you this morning. We don't know. (laughs) This is something that's been debated for centuries. Actually, ever since, you know, millennial uh, types of of time period. Because people have been, what what did Jesus write on, on the ground there? There's all kinds of of theories. Most scholars, though, believe that he actually wrote out the sins of the, the, the Pharisees. And the reason that they believe this is the particular word that John uses there in, in John chapter 8. He says that Jesus wrote on the ground. There's actually two words, two Greek words that we translate into English as write. The first one and the most common one is graphene, and it means to actually write something down. The other one is catagraphene, which means to write something about someone. And that's the word that John uses here, is this catagraphene, that he was writing something about someone. And so it makes sense that either he's writing about the, the sins of the people or you know the, these Pharisees, or maybe even writing down the names of women that they were lusting after. Remember, these are the guys, yeah, we're so holy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we've never messed up. Well, outwardly, they were pretty good at not messing up. But inwardly, don't we know that those are the things that we really need to fix? Lust, pride, greed, envy, jealousy, rage. You think these guys never lusted? No, they're guys. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> and so maybe he was, he was writing, you know, names. Sarah, Jane, <laughs> Becky. He's writing all these names down. Scripture continues on then, verse 7. They kept on asking Jesus about the woman. Finally, he stood up and he said, if any of you have never sinned, then go ahead and throw the first stone at her. Now again, I want you to picture this scene. There's Jesus. He's doodling on the ground. And they keep on at him. What should we do? What should we do? They want to trap him. What should we do? Finally, Jesus picks up a rock, and he stands up, and he says, look, here's the rock. If any of you have never sinned, you go ahead and throw it at her. Now, this is, again, where our English language sort of fails us, because the the context of the Greek here in this is Jesus isn't just saying that you've never sinned, it's that you've never even wanted to sin. 
I mean, he doesn't just set the bar like here. Jesus like puts it way up here. Not that you've just never sinned, that you've never even wanted to sin. I don't know about you, but there's times that I don't outwardly sin, but man, I want to sin. Especially when I'm driving. (laughs) That's like my worst place. Lisa and I, the other week, we were driving home. And there's this really steep hill that you got to go down, and then you go up a steep hill. So we're going down the steep hill, looking at the traffic coming at us is a car coming down the other steep hill on the wrong side of the road. And I'm like, what in the world is this person doing? You know, so there I am, I'm driving, what in the world is this idiot doing? Right? Shouldn't say that, but that's what I probably thought. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Dad and I were on a road trip this week, and more than one person I think got called an idiot. <laughs> so there, there we at least I were, we're driving, and it's like, as I'm going down the hill, I'm starting to slow up because it's like, they're still on the wrong side. I'm like, eventually they're going to figure it out and get to the, to the right side of the road, and it's like, they're still going, and I mean, eventually I'm basically to a standstill, and finally they sort of veer off and stuff. Now, if this was me... And I made a mistake like that. I'd be like, oh, sorry, you know, type of thing. You know what the lady did? She just looked at us, gave us this, like, big cheesy smile. It's like, turn this car around, give you something to smile about, right? <laughs> now, I kept driving home. I didn't, I didn't sin, but, man, I wanted to sin. I'm going to go back and give her a piece of my mind. How I many you know what I'm talking about? You didn't sin, but you, you've, wanted, you, you've wanted to sin. Jesus says, okay, here's the rock. Here it is. Go ahead and throw it at her. Not only if you've never sinned, but if you've never even wanted to sin. Is that me? It's like somebody was knocking on the door. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Anyway. Verses 8 and 9. Once again, he bent over and began writing on the ground. And the people left one by one, beginning with the oldest. And finally, Jesus and the woman were alone. Now, this cracks me up because... Again, more than likely, he's writing the names of the sins or the names of the people. And the older of the Pharisees, they like look at it and they're like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, and and we've had a couple more years than you younger guys. So there's more things he can write about us. So we're out of here before he exposes too much. Then the younger guys are like, yep, we're out of here too, right? You know, all of a sudden, it's just Jesus and this woman standing there. They're all alone. And what she deserves is condemnation. But Jesus instead decides to give her love and grace, something much better. Verse 10, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Now, let me be very, very clear here. This woman was wrong. She had sinned. What she did broke the heart of God by committing adultery. But Because of the love and grace of Jesus, he didn't give her what she deserved. He gave her something better, his mercy. And this is great news for 
those of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus. Because see, here's what happens oftentimes. Last week we talked about what? That we deserve what? We deserve death, but instead Jesus gives us life. And five of you last week, you, you crossed that line from, from death to life that your sins are now forgiven. And many of you in this room, at some point in life, you, you made that commitment to Jesus. That Jesus, please, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come in, be the leader of my life. And you know that you're forgiven. You know that when you die, you're on your way to heaven. But you still carry the guilt and the shame and the weight of your sin around with you. You know it's forgiven, but yet you're still carrying it. And so again, this is good news for us as followers because what this is saying is, look, not only are you forgiven, but all that weight, all that guilt, all that shame can be gone as well. You don't have to carry that around any longer. In fact, here's what Scripture says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. The Apostle Paul is speaking. He says, therefore, there is now no what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice that Paul says it's when? Right now. Right now, there is no condemnation. Not later, after you've cleaned yourself up a bit. Not after you've gone to counseling. Not after you've turned your life around. He says, now. Now there is no condemnation. For who? For those that are in Christ Jesus. So if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, there is absolutely no reason to carry around the guilt and the shame of things that you've done in your past. It's gone. It's remembered no more, not just for eternity, but even right now. So if you're walking around and you've got those voices going, you're pathetic, you're a loser. How could someone that calls themselves a Christian do something like this? God will never love you. God will never forgive you. That's not God's voice. That's the voice of Satan trying to distract you. I've said this to you in the past, and I'll keep saying it over and over and over and over again. You are not who Satan says that you are. You're not who other people say that you are. You're not even who you say that you are. You are who God has already declared you to be. And in this particular passage, God declares that you have no condemnation. You're a person free from guilt. You're a person that's to be free from shame. Now, right now, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the deal. Jesus will forgive you, and he won't condemn you, but he doesn't expect you to stay living in your sin, though, either. And so that's why he says this to the woman in verse 11. Now go and sin no more. And again, I just want to say the exact same thing to you. Yes, you're forgiven. Yes, you're going to go to heaven. Yes, you don't have to have the guilt and the shame. But if you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, stop doing it. Don't cheapen the grace of God by saying, well, I can just keep doing it and God will forgive me. Stop doing it. The proof that we truly have a love relationship with Jesus is that we obey his commands. Now, you don't obey his commands because you're trying to be saved. You do it out of gratitude that you are saved. You do it out of gratitude that he has given you forgiveness, that he has given you no condemnation. You say, God, I'm just going to try to live for you. Try to sin no more. 
some of you are here today and you think that that's impossible. You're like, I'm always going to be an addict. I'm always going to be hurting. I'm never going to be able to get over this sin. But that's just not true. It's not true at all. Jesus says, go and sin no more. But how how do we do that? How, How do we do it? Well, what's really cool about this is the next verse in John chapter 8. Even though the story of the woman caught in adultery is done, as Jesus sort of shifts off to the next thing where the Pharisees are again trying to trap him, I think verse 12 actually just is great as a continuation for the story. Here's what it says. Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said, I am the what? I am the the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus says, look, I'm the light of the world. In other passages, he said that he is the word. And so when Jesus becomes not just the light of the world, but the light of your world, and you use his word to illuminate the path, every single day you'll be able to take practical next steps in your journey towards God. Steps towards him and away from sin. Steps towards the light and away from darkness. Now, will you be perfect? No. But when you mess up, here's the thing. You confess it to God. Scripture says, confess your sins to God. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. So that's the first step. You you make it right with him. But then you you get back into the light. You go, you sin no more. You say, okay, God, according to your word, what do I need to do? And see, the cool thing about us as followers of Jesus is we're not alone in this. Because as soon as you prayed that prayer and you asked for his forgiveness, you asked for his leadership, you said, I don't want that condemnation, the guilt, and the shame anymore. At that very moment, he sends his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. The exact same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of each and every one of you who are followers of Jesus. You've got the spirit to help turn you back towards the light and away from the darkness. This woman in today's story, she deserved condemnation, but Jesus says, I've got something better for you. You deserve condemnation, but I'm giving you mercy. Giving you my mercy. And I want all of us today to realize the exact same thing. We deserve condemnation. None of us have been perfect. But he wants to give you his mercy instead. Not just his forgiveness, but his mercy. And he wants you to walk in the light and away from the darkness through the power of his spirit. We can do it. We can. Don't need to live under that cloud of guilt anymore. We don't have to listen to those voices of condemnation any longer. Jesus has set us free. Now, right now, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to gather together to worship you and and just being together and and through song and through video and now through the preaching of your word. And Lord, I just pray that the words that I've spoken today, your spirit has just really, really cemented this in some hearts and lives of people that walked in under a cloud of guilt. Lord, I pray that 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 cloud has been lifted and that they realize that they are 
truly free. There's no condemnation any longer. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you're saying, you know what, that, that was me. Yeah, I, I'm already a follower of Jesus, but I was still carrying the weight of my sin around but I don't want it anymore. Gilbert, would you just pray for me that God would take that from me? Can you just raise your hand up nice and high here this morning? Yep, yep, yep. Oh, wow. Yep, lots of hands. You can put them down. Thank you, Jesus, that you are working here in this place this morning, and I pray that your supernatural grace and love and mercy would just wash over people right now, that they would experience you in a new and a fresh way like they never have before. And Jesus, they... They knew you as as Savior from their sins. But Lord, help them to experience you as as healer now as well. A healer of their soul. That they can walk in a clean conscience. Not because we've been clean, God, but because you made us clean. You did that for us, and we thank you so much for that. Lord, help us to walk in in the light, just as you are in the light. Help us to follow the light of your word. Your word is a a lamp to our feet. It's a light for our path. So help us just to keep taking next steps. Not to try to figure it all out, what's way down the road, but just the next step that you're calling us to take. Help us to do that through the power of your spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.